Hi, Juliet the Rabbi here, coming to you from New York City, realrabbinyc.com. Visit my website. So, uh, let's jump right in. This week is Amor, that's the name of the Parsha, Blemishing Judaism. That's what I'm going to talk about. Do we, can we, can Judaism be blemished? Um, as humans, we seem to always be in search of perfection, like that perfect cup of coffee I mentioned last week. Do you remember that? You know how we, we hold back from offering things, from making offerings to people, um, reaching out to people because we're afraid that what we have to offer is not perfect, might not be perfect. It might not be in the way that people want to receive it or whatever. And we worry. And so we don't, so we pull back. Um, that's what I talked about last week. Um, so can a flawed offering still be welcome? That's what I'm bringing forward into this week's podcast episode. Maybe I was thinking, maybe our quest for perfection comes from Judaism. This week, the Torah has us on the quest for the holy, the priest himself, and any animal offerings from God must be unblemished. That makes them holy. No animals with crushed testicles. Um, yeah, for real. Yeah, that's what it says. Um, the priest also has to be careful not to become defiled by beco- by coming in contact with the dead, except in very specific cases. Um, the priest mustn't marry someone quote-unquote, defiled by harlotry. He's not, a marri- not allowed to marry a divorced woman. Even the actions of those related to him or connected somehow to the priest must be unblemished. So here's another one. Besides the divorced woman and, you know, uh, someone who was a harlot, the daughter of a priest who plays the harlot will blemish the priest as well. It will rub off on him. And as a result, she must be put to the fire and burned. Oh, my God. No person either with any sort of blemish to their body, like a limb that's too long or too short or they're deaf or they're blind, some kind of defect, any kind of defect disqualifies them from making an offering, from making an offering to God. So everything's got to be perfect in order to be acceptable for making expiation for any wrongdoing. Over and over again in this Parsha, we're taught that to be holy is to be perfect. This week, I had a meeting with a pastor for an interfaith wedding for which I will be co-officiating. And actually, I'm doing two. It's very exciting. Um... And I have a third one. It's a Jewish wedding, but there are two where I'm actually working with pastors. And it was a little nerve-wracking. And um, this meeting was more than a little scary for me, I can tell you, because as soon as I met with him, I learned that he he told me he's non-denominational Christian, which is a code word for evangelical. And um, he said he had broken away from, you know, he left the Pentecostal church because it didn't, he doesn't agree with all of their, um, all of their uh, doctrines. 
And we were able to agree on on some things, but as I sat listening to him, learning about his beliefs, I wondered actually from the very beginning, I had this in my mind, I was like, oh my God, am I, was agreeing to officiate at this wedding, was this the right thing? Do I have a role here? Is this important for me? Is this, is this a mistake? And, um, you know, it was from things that he said that I knew that he believed that I, as a Jew, need to be saved by Jesus. This pastor thinks that I'm not good enough as I am as a Jew. I'm lacking that ultimate, ultimate perfection of being Christian, of accepting Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Um, it was interesting because he, he, he wanted to understand. He said he'd never met a Jewish rabbi before. And he asked me in the beginning, do you have to be Jewish to be a rabbi? Like, wow. I mean, like he didn't know that. And I was like, yes, a rabbi is a Jewish teacher. That's what it is. And he still used that term at the end. Like I've never, I told you, I never met a Jewish rabbi. I mean, I think he was excited to meet me, which is interesting, but Still, like whenever I talk to people like that, I'm like, okay, do you believe that I need to be saved? And that really rubs me the wrong way. It's very hard. And at the same time, I want to work with, I want to make, I want to build bridges between Jews and people of other religions. So this is important work that I'm doing. But these voices were ringing in my ears that said, out of respect for Jews and Judaism, Jesus must not be mentioned at the wedding during the ceremony and this is what I heard like there were many rabbis already that had told this couple yes I'll do it I'll co-officiate but the pastor cannot mention Jesus and I thought that was crazy when I heard that I was like well wait a minute that that kind of like you're telling a pastor not to use language that that's their God language. That is, how do you, you can't ask them to do that. They can't, it's, it's, yeah. But, but I spoke to several people that I, that were telling me, yes, oh, I won't do that because, and I, for the same reason. So, and, and another thing was added onto it. It's that, you know, somebody said to me, well, you have to be sensitive to the other people that are in the room. This is the community. It's, this is about, it's not just about the couple. It's about the community that's there with them as well. And they said, well, you know, what if hearing a blessing in the name of Jesus offended someone? How did, how, how did I feel when I thought of being blessed in Jesus name? Like, how do I feel? It's complicated. Um, I, I have a hard time. I've had, run-ins with people in the past with friends that I thought where I thought we understood each other and then they were like oh no but you know you have to come to Jesus and we never talked again because I was like wait you that means you don't have enough respect for me and my and where I come from and I have respect for you and how can we bridge this gap and Something else that somebody said was, what if there was a Holocaust survivor in the room? How offensive would that be to them? If they said, you know, if they blessed the couple in Jesus' name, right? So, so many rabbis had already turned this couple down and another couple down that I'm working with for this very reason. And 
it really stopped me in my tracks again, meeting with this pastor. What I was forced to look at myself again and question, what is my responsibility as a rabbi? And it's not like I hadn't thought about this. Of course I had. I was doing this very consciously. But these other voices threw me off. And they were talking about generational Jewish trauma. And the question came up, am I to hold all of this generational Jewish trauma? And I have to, I have to give my, my younger daughter credit for this as well, because she, she's often so wise. And I told her about my dilemma and, and she was like, I don't, I feel like this is, this is way too much for you to be holding just for this couple like to hold, for you to hold all of Jewish generational Jewish trauma for a couple that's getting married like that's that's a lot on my shoulders so am i supposed to turn away from this couple in the name of quote protecting the fences that we have or the boundaries around Judaism my daughter asked, also asked me if I, wa- if I worried about this, you know, my doing the wedding, blemishing my reputation as a rabbi. And I reflected on this and I was like, no, I'm not worried about that at all. I think rather that I was worried about the boundaries, um, what boundaries I was crossing, what boundaries I was allowing other people to cross. And I'm thinking about holiness now, getting back to holiness what are the boundaries around holiness? Are there boundaries around holiness? Because when I remember why I'm doing this, then I think there are no boundaries around holiness. I'm agreeing to officiate at weddings with other rabbis that that other rabbis refuse precisely because I think there are no boundaries around holiness and love is holy and there are no boundaries to the holiness of love. So as we step more and more into this still basically un it feels like still uncharted waters it feels like you know of interfaith marriage. I don't know, it's been going on forever. It wasn't invented in the 21st century. It wasn't even invented in the 20th century. I mean, intermarriage has happened has been happening forever. And yet somehow it feels like we're still learning how to do it. But it's not without precedent that I agree to celebrate the holiness of love that goes outside the bounds of accepted Jewish norms. If my husband and I had not found a rabbi who would agree to co-officiate at our wedding, I highly doubt that I would be a rabbi today. I highly doubt that I would have raised my children in a Jewish home. If we hold the boundaries around Judaism so tight that no one can climb over those fences, then we're shutting people out that would potentially like to dip their toes into Judaism in a more serious way, Jews and non-Jews alike. And so let's get back to the question of blemishing. What about blemishing Judaism? To me, the biggest thing that blemishes Judaism is a refusal to let people in. What blemishes Judaism to me is hurting other Jews and possibly non-Jews as well, often non-Jews as well, because of that refusal, because of our turning them away. 
I wonder what the world would be like if we were always in search of the holy instead of the perfect. So yes, I'm officiating at these weddings with these pastors who might mention Jesus because I believe it would be unholy not to. And I hope you agree with me or at least give it some thought and say amen and good Shabbos and I'll see you next week. RealRabbiNYC.com Go to my website. Make a donation. Thank you very much.